Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Well, just to remind you that it's believed that the Gospel of Mark was written by John Mark, who traveled with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, but also was an assistant for some time with the Apostle Peter. And many believe that this is really the gospel of Peter, but John wrote what he learned and heard from Peter's experience with Jesus. So that really does give some special meaning to this. Okay, Mark chapter 6, and here's what it says. Then he, talking about Jesus, then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now, where is he? He's in his own country. He's in Nazareth. And it says, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which he is given, which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? What they're tripping out. Uh, on is not only the miracles, but who it is. Like, no, we know this guy. How is this happening with him? Verse 3, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? By the way, that James is Jesus. They're all younger siblings because Jesus, of course, was born before Uh, Mary had any intimacy with Joseph, and all the rest were born subsequently. But notice this James is the one who was the leader of the Jerusalem church and also wrote the book of James. And uh, this Judas is the one who wrote the book of Jude. And so very interesting. So it says, uh, aren't these his brothers? Aren't these, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They got offended because we know this guy. This guy can't be saying these things and doing these things. They got offended at him because nobody that we know could be like this. Well, of course, what happened to Jesus is he had gone to the baptism of John the Baptist and he was baptized. And when he came up out of the water, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And Luke chapter four, verse one says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to be led by the Spirit. After the 40 days of temptation, he returned in the power of the Spirit. So they don't recognize what's happening in his life because he wasn't full of the Spirit and full of the power of God like he is now. But that's no reason to get offended. Ask questions, learn. No, they got offended. And so it goes on to say in verse 4, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. In other words, I go other places and people are in awe of me. But because I come here where you know me, you won't allow these things to be true. And so you get offended. So they disrespect him. They dishonored him. Verse 5. Now he could do no mighty work there. Watch this. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now he could do no mighty work there. It didn't say he would do no mighty work there. It said he could do. Why? He couldn't do a mighty work there because they were offended at him. They were offended at him. And it goes on to say, and he marveled because of their unbelief. 
So here's why he can't do a mighty work. In the previous chapter, you remember Jairus, he expressed his faith. My daughter lies at the point of death, but if you come and lay your hands on her, she will be healed and she will live. See the faith? And then the woman with the flow of the blood, uh, she said, when she heard about Jesus, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Do you hear the faith? And healing came to both of those families. But here... In Nazareth, where he grew up? No, they're offended. They have unbelief. And the Bible says, even Jesus could not do a mighty work there. He laid his hands on a few people and healed them, but no mighty work could happen because they were offended and they were full of unbelief. Folks, the power of God is not lacking. But we need to muster our faith with the word of God so that we're triggering and releasing and receiving God's power and faithfulness to his word. So it goes on to say, he marveled at their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. That's important. What do you do for unbelief? You teach because faith comes by hearing the word. So he knew I can't just come and begin to try to do something major, but I can go in a circuit and I can teach and teach and teach and hopefully bring some faith to these people. Verse 7, and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He com he commanded them, talking about the disciples, the apostles, he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Why is this? Because he's teaching them that you don't have to provide for yourself and, and worry about your provision when you're in the ministry. You go and do what you're told to do by the Lord, and God will provide for you. Later on, he comes back, maybe not in this gospel, but in another gospel, uh, he asked them, when I sent you out without extra supplies, did you lack anything? And they said, we lack nothing. And then he told them, well, now go ahead and take some extra supplies. In other words, I was teaching you to rely on the Lord for a labor is worthy of his wages. Okay, so uh, he said, uh, don't take any extras, but wear the sandals, not two tunics. Also, uh, verse 10, also he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for, than for that city. Boy, this is a, a tremendous indictment. Jesus is saying that Sodom and Gomorrah, a wicked city that was destroyed by fire in the days of Abraham, he said it'll be more tolerable for them than you disciples that I'm sending to bring the word and they won't receive you. Boy, I tell you what, we need to receive God's word no matter who's bringing it. Verse 12, so they went out and preached that people should repent. Verse 13, and they, the disciples, cast out many demons 
and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Notice the Bible didn't say, and God healed them. It said, they anointed them with oil and healed them. The Bible doesn't have any problem with saying that we can heal somebody, but we should know it's not with our power. It's only with the power and the authority that God gives us. Well, of course, but just like somebody turning on the light switch, if they hit the light switch and flip it, and the light comes on, we say, hey, you turned on the light. Well, they didn't really supply the power, but they're the ones that triggered it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You're the one that went out and preached and laid hands and triggered the healing. But we know, of course, it's the power of God that does it. So we give God the glory. Verse 14. Now, King Herod heard of him, Jesus, for his name had become well known, and he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And they're thinking, wait, what's going on? Is that, do they believe in reincarnation? But they're believing that some prophet has come back to life. And others said, it is the prophet, or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of, of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her because John had said to Herod. Now notice, John, it doesn't say, was blabbing to the public, criticizing Herod the king. But John had said to Herod, so he was confronting Herod directly, but notice he wasn't going and demonstrating against Herod or protesting against Herod, but he did say to him directly as a prophet of God, which John was. Uh, John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when he heard John, in other words, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him. The king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. That was a typical phrase that kings would say. Uh, verse 24. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, now think about this opportunity to ask for something. But the mother told the girl, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked him, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Well, he made this commitment in front of everybody. And now she comes and says what she wants in front of everybody. And so the king feels like, oh, man. I mean, this this would be bad if I didn't give it to her. And all these people would know that I didn't keep my word. Verse 27, immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him, John the Baptist, in prison, brought his head on a platter. This is very gross, but this really happened. 
and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Well, of course, Jesus wanted to rest too because he had just gotten the news that John the Baptist, his cousin, had been beheaded. It says, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitudes, and you know, sometimes people don't realize, and they don't realize that the minister gets tired too. And But if he can provide something, teach them, counsel them, help them, heal them, then they're pursuing him because they're trying to receive something from him. And notice Jesus won't get upset at them because he realizes that they're there for a good reason. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. Instead of being angry with them and saying, hey, I just lost my cousin. Can you give me a little time? No, he was moved with compassion for them. And so he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. <laughs> Jesus was always thinking on another level, wasn't he? And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. I want you to notice that God always wants to work with us with what we have. He doesn't expect us to go and to do something that we can't do. He takes us right where we are, and he wants us to use our faith with what we already have. And God plus whatever we have is <laughs> more than able to accomplish whatever is necessary. So he said, go see what you have. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. He said, go find out how many loaves you have. And they said, five and two fish, verse 39. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. So what is Jesus doing? He's having them to organize in preparation for a miracle. Folks, this is faith. He is going through this process believing that the power of God is going to move. This is where we miss it so often. We don't prepare for a miracle. We don't prepare in faith. And the reason is because we don't believe a miracle is going to happen. And therefore, we don't receive miracles as we should. Verse 41, And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. I want you to notice, Jesus didn't look at the five loaves and two fish and say, that's not enough, or, well, this is not going to feed very many. No, he blessed them. He didn't curse them. He blessed them. He thanked God for them. And in faith, he began to use these loaves and distribute these loaves and fish. Verse 43, 
it says, or verse 42, so they all ate and were filled. This was an all-you-can-eat buffet. This whole crowd, 5,000 men plus women and children, they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. And then you count the women and children. That could have been at least 10, maybe 15, or even more. And uh, verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. This is a key to his ministry and power. Verse 47, now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. I just love that part. And would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. Well, they'd never seen anybody walking on water before. They supposed it was a ghost. And of course, it's dark. It's at night. And it says, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. I think it's interesting that if Peter did indeed influence this gospel, that in the gospel of Mark, it doesn't capture the fact that Peter walked on water. And you wonder if Jesus, uh, excuse me, if Peter did not even talk to John Mark about it or make a big deal about it because that would have been self-serving. You just wonder, it's, it's speculative, but nonetheless interesting. Verse 53, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. So in other words, by the time they ran to some cities, Jesus had already moved to other places. So wherever they heard he was, they were bringing the sick to him. So it goes on to say, verse 56, uh, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. Can you believe that? As many as touched him were made well. And so just like that one woman touched the hem of his garment, as many as touched the hem of his garment were made well. Well, who knows that they didn't hear the story about this woman and that story spread, and that's why they're wanting to touch the hem of his garment. But notice the testimony of that woman would have caused faith in other people to come and also to be healed by touching the hem of his garment. Well, we don't know for sure that that was the case. What we do know is that they believed that if they touched his garment, they'd be healed, and they were. We're seeing faith trigger the release of the power of God. How does faith come? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Let's keep hearing God's word. I'll see you tomorrow for Mark chapter 7. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. 
If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. Jerry Dearman